Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, February 23rd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Big 12 men's basketball today with Kellis Robinette. He covers Kansas State and follows the Big 12. So we break down the league race. We look at bracketology, player of the year, coach of the year, you name it, we talk about it. Every team has three games remaining before the Big 12 tournament with Kansas and Texas tied at the top. Two games ahead of K-State and Baylor. Looks like it's coming down to the Jayhawks and Longhorns, and they meet in the final game of the regular season. Okay, let's get started. Before the conversation, we'll hear a snippet from Kansas State coach Jerome Tang, who was asked after the Wildcats completed the season sweep of Baylor on Tuesday if this game was less emotional than the first meeting against the school that had employed him for the previous two decades. Coach, you talked about after the game in Waco, how emotional that was for you on a personal level, obviously returning to a place that's very special to you, coaching against Scott Drew for that first time. For the second time around, was it a little bit more normal, a little bit more like just another game, or or were you still having some of those same emotions pre- and post-game? Well, it was more like a normal game, but the the circumstances going into this game was different than the last, right? Like, last game, uh, they they, they had back-to-back losses, right? And so I knew at the end of that game, either we were going to lose and I wasn't going to be happy, or they were going to lose, they were going to be a three-game losing streak, and I understand the the pressure of a three-game losing streak and what can happen, you know, go into it. And so you never want to see the people you love go through that. So it really wasn't a lot of fun. Uh, this one, I mean, both teams are, I think, now in the NCAA tournament, I feel like, you know, we have enough wins that uh, we're in the NCAA tournament. Um, now, we're not satisfied, but I feel like we are. And they have, I mean, they they were arguably the hottest team in the league Except for the last two, you know, last two games, the second half of the last game, and then this this game. So um, yeah, the circumstances are so different now that I feel like I was able to enjoy this more. Kellis, it's been a while since you and I chatted. That's that's what happens when Chiefs make a Super Bowl run and um, sports world turns upside down in, in Kansas City. But it's great to talk to you again and to catch up on Big Twelve basketball matters and. Uh, we're down to the final week and a half of the regular season, just three games left for, for everybody in the Big 12 race. It looks like it's coming down to two teams at the top for first place, uh, but a lot of uh, jostling going on below Kansas and Texas at the top, and Kansas State's in the thick of it. And not to say Kansas not Kansas State not eliminated yet, neither is uh, is Baylor or even technically Iowa State, but it would take a lot of strange circumstances for for those three to to supplant uh, Kansas or Texas. How do you see the Big Twelve race right now with three games left for everybody? Yeah, I think it's down to a two horse race, and really, I think it's uh, the Jayhawks to lose. Even though them and Texas have the same record right now, Kansas's schedule is much more forgiving. Their final three are at home against West Virginia home against Texas Tech, and then they get to play Texas in the season finale. Um, That game could have some implications championship-wise at the bitter end of the season, but before that game even takes place, Texas has to go to Baylor and to TCU, two teams that love to beat Texas, two teams that are really good, two teams that are really strong at home. So you never know if Kansas holds, uh, holds firm at home and Texas loses those games on the road. 
maybe it won't have Big 12 championship implications. So if you look at, uh, you know, the sports books right now, they've got Kansas as about a two to one favorite. Um, one to two, I should say, instead of two to one. Texas hanging around about three to one. Um, Bart Torvik, I believe, who does a great job breaking down percentages on these things, has Kansas at about an 85% chance to at least share the conference championship and 57, 58 to win it outright. So from where I'm sitting, um, yeah, it's it's Bill Self's to lose. The same situation we seem to be in every season this time of year. The uh, only real wild card I see with them is that Texas Tech is uh, surprisingly hot at the moment, beating everyone in their path. Could they play spoilers and uh, help out the Longhorns? That's that's the key I'm looking at there. Yeah, and Texas lost to Texas Tech earlier this season in one of the games that um, had Texas – taking care of business in that game, they, they'd be in first place and in the Big 12 with KU chasing them. But both are 11 and four. Uh, Kansas State and Baylor both nine and six, and Iowa State is is eight and seven. Let, let's stay on KU just for a second um, more. Uh, they were they were picked to finish second, I believe, in the league. Was it, was it Baylor picked to finish first, or do I have that wrong? I, I, don't, I don't remember. It might have even been third behind Baylor and Texas. Okay. But it, so, it was close between those teams. Baylor was first, and then it was either Texas or, or Kansas, depending on who you ask. So it seems like every team in the Big 12 this season has had its, you know, one and a half to two to maybe two and a half week stretch of just, you know, playing their worst basketball. And Kansas <laughs> certainly had that. They uh a three-game losing streak in the in, in league play, and a lot of people believe they were um, you know, they were destined not to win the Big 12 when that happened. But Everybody goes through that, and that's how you know just how difficult and unforgiving this league is. Kansas State went through something like that. Was it four out of five Big Twelve games um, and, and losing, and they kind of took them out of the race, took them out of the race for first, but they have rebounded nicely. And you and I are recording this on Wednesday, so when we say last night, we're talking about Tuesday night. What a terrific second half and uh, and terrific victory for for the Wildcats over Baylor to sweep the season series. Yeah, um, Kansas State really in the second half of both their last two home games has reminded us just what they're capable of. They looked finally once again like the team we saw at the start of conference play when they were blitzing Baylor, blitzing Texas, beating Kansas at home. And rose all the way up to number five in the in the national rankings. Um, they've fallen off since then. Um, depending on how you want to measure it, they lost six of eight, uh, four of five. Not a great stretch of basketball, but at the same time, like you mentioned, uh, that was their st- toughest stretch of the season. A lot of games on the road, had to go to Ames to play Iowa State, two Lawrence to play Kansas. Uh, an angry Texas team came in here, and everybody, I think, kind of made the mistake of looking at Texas Tech and Oklahoma and saying, you know, those teams aren't any good. Um, well, maybe that's the case with Oklahoma, but Texas Tech, you know, at the time, everybody threw up their arms and said, what is Kansas State doing, losing by eight in Lubbock? Well, maybe they just figured some things out and got healthy at the right time. I actually think Texas Tech still has a chance to make the NCAA tournament right now, um, which is crazy because they started the league play like 0-7, 0-8, something like that. You make a great point. Um, I believe there's only one or two teams in the entire conference that haven't lost three consecutive games. Um, Kansas did it. It's happened to TCU. It uh, Kansas State barely avoided it, but they lost four or five. Um, Iowa State's in the midst of it right now. Baylor started 0-3. It's it's just a, a gauntlet, uh, this conference this season. Nobody can just sit back and say, you know, we're gonna we're never gonna lose consecutive games. You can never really circle anything except maybe Oklahoma at home is an easy win. But even they've pushed people. 
Um, and Jerome Tang brought this up last night. If they're the worst team in this conference, they beat Alabama by about 9 million points when they came and played in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. So that goes to show how hard this league is, and it really does make me wonder, like, who who at the end of the season do you say is Big 12 Coach of the Year? I, I, I understand a lot of people who are listening to this probably – um, if they live in Manhattan, think it's automatically going to be Jerome Tang, and I get that. Eden State was picked to finish last in the the preseason poll. They're having a great season, top fifteen, definitely deserving of consideration. But at the same time, for all we say about this league, are you really going to sit back and say that the the coach who wins it isn't the coach of the year? I don't know if if uh, if Rodney Rodney Terry wins it at Texas or Bill Self wins it at Kansas. I think you got to at least consider those guys because that's a heck of an achievement. All right, I want to come back and revisit Coach of the Year here in just a second because it's a great point, and uh, there's some good Coach of the Year stats I want to I want to throw at you. But before we do, I want to get back to K State, and you know, one thing I was hearing, Kellis, is uh, when 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 Kansas State was going through the throes of the slump that maybe Keontae Johnson was tiring a little bit, which would be totally understandable given his you know what's what's happened with his career and where he's been the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after, you know, 20, 25 games, he'd, you know, he'd start to feel it on his body. But against Baylor, it was terrific. And he would, and if, if he was tired, he seems to have regained his, you know, his strength. Uh, it, do you think that was ever a legitimate case with him or did he just go through a little slump? I do think there was concern there. I'm with you. Uh, you take two years off from anything. Um, it's hard to come back and just be a hundred percent for every single game. And, February is a tough time to stay motivated. I will say, you know, early on in conference play, you know, hey, we got to win the Big 12. We got to win these games. Um, You get into February, you're already comfortably in the March Madness field. Uh, You know, everybody's calling Keontae Johnson the most inspirational story in college basketball. I just wonder if more than anything, he got maybe a little complacent. And I do think that combined with his legs has led to a slump a little bit. Jerome Tang has mentioned this, that in the last – Last week after they lost those road games, he realized he maybe pushed his team a little bit too hard, got angry at him rather than practicing, had him running and just had an adverse effect in games. You could tell they were tired, wore out in the second halves. And I mean, you think about it, Texas Tech, they were right there at halftime, lose by eight. Oklahoma, they're tied at halftime, lose by 14. He wanted to switch that narrative. And actually, this last week gave his guys time off, didn't run them a lot in practice. Then it's been the opposite. They surge from double digits down against Iowa State to win. They're trailing at Baylor. They win by double, or they're yeah, trailing at halftime against Baylor and win by double digits. So good coaching move by him. And yeah, I think if Keontae Johnson was losing his win, he's got it back. The only other thing I will throw in there is I think this is just for me. Nobody else has told me this. I think that game they played against Florida was kind of his Super Bowl going up against his old team. He had a great outing in that game. Kansas State won by 14. He did a long victory lap after they won that thing. His whole family was in town taking a 1,000 pictures. Um, And it was right after that when he hit his slump. I think that going up against his former team, winning that game, you know, I, I, I think he put a little bit too much emphasis on that, and it took him a minute to get back to where he needed to be. I love that point. I can remember the one of the highlights from that day was the handshake line. And, you know, not... You know, he 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 stopped and chatted and and high fived and fist bumped every Florida player, and it was really kind of an emotional scene, right? Uh, it was it, it totally was the Keontae Johnson game, and um, and that th- that is a good point. I didn't put that together that the the, the Kansas State slump and it kind of happened around that, and and uh, 
totally uh, understandable if, if that ends up being the case. But but it seems like the Wildcats are back on track. And um, I'll tell you what, it, 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 we, we can't say it enough. It is a brutal pace for for these teams. You're playing an you know, Oklahoma is the only team outside of the the net top 50 right now. Um, you know, changes, you know, the, the net changes with every game, but uh, uh, but Oklahoma is at 72, which is still pretty good. I mean, there are teams at large teams that that might get in with that so, sort of net with a really good record. Oklahoma would not uh, with their record in a net, but um, but it is a gauntlet. You play two games a week against teams that are either in the top 25 or top 50 RPI, it is, it is hard to maintain and, uh, you know, a good solid pace, but um, uh, that's, that's where we are with the big 12, not just this year, but look, this has been going on now for four or five years, last two national champions, uh, last three final fours with one, with at least one team in it, or last four, right? 18, 19, didn't have one in 20, 21, 20, 22, and then Oklahoma made it in 16. So um, it really has been, a matter of the reputation of the league, the performance catching up to the reputation, because even before these last four or five years, the Big 12 has been a, a, a computer rating darling, you know, always one or two. And what we used to call the, you know, we used to use the RPI and uh, but they didn't have good postseason success to show for it. Well, now they do. And um, and now it seems to me that the league has put itself in a position where it can only overwhelm or disappoint in March. You know, they uh, <laughs> um, they're either going to you know be a real a national story by you know getting one or two teams through the first weekend, or they're just going to swamp the field and get four or five teams into the into the second round. Which which brings us to our little bracketology corner, uh, Callus. Where um, uh, let's let's start with Kansas State and then and work around with some other teams. Okay. What's the latest you've been seeing Kansas State and some of the bracketology and, and what's your what's your sense of it right now? I think they're looking at a number three seed right now. Um, if they could end the year hot and especially go deep in the Big 12 tournament, I think they could move their way up to that two line. Um, and then adversely, if they lose, which they could, they've still got to go to Oklahoma State and to West Virginia Winning in this, uh, winning on the road in this league is never easy. So if that happens and they flame out in the Big 12 tournament, maybe you're looking more at a four seed. I feel pretty comfortable that they'll be, you know, on one of those top four lines. They were a three seed when the uh, NCAA tournament selection committee selected their, uh, you know, preseason bracket preview, and that was before they went out and beat Iowa State and Baylor. So you'd think they'd only gone up since then. Um, the real question I have for them is where are they going to start? Is it going to be Des Moines with Kansas? For our sake, we'd love that. We could just yes, drive up there and all all have a nice party together watching our local teams. Hey, throw Missouri uh, up there as well. Let's, uh, yeah, let's yeah, get, yeah, get yeah. Missouri in there. Have UMKC win the Summit <laughs> League tournament, and they can go play there too. Be amazing. Um, so that's that's what everybody's rooting for. You know, if that if it, if it's not there, uh, Denver would also be fine with Kansas State fans. It's not much longer of a drive. Um, but right now, some bracketology places have them going to Orlando. I'm a little bit further away. So there's a lot to play for. If they want that, you know, nice nearby location to start out, they need to keep winning. Right. And the the, the question with Kansas to me is not if they're a no, if they're a one C, they're going to be a number one seed. I, I'm pretty sure. If if they finish first or tie for first, I don't think there's any question that they'll be a, a, a one seed. The question now is could Kansas become the overall number one seed? And the 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 reason that, that is 
somewhat significant is not not only do you have the bullseye on your back of being the overall top seed, but there's a there's a regional semifinal in in Kansas City at T-Mobile uh, Center, uh, and uh, and right now, uh, you know, if if Kansas were seated below Houston, Kansas City is the closest destination for Houston uh, in. Uh, in in the uh, with the way bracket you know the way it works with the selection committee they they'll they'll assign teams to the closest regional site and for Houston right now it's Kansas City so if Kansas would have to finish ahead of Houston in in the uh, in the overall seeding of the tournament to be assigned the number one seed in the Midwest and get to play in in KC I don't know if Kansas really wants that. I it's it's fine if if you get it, but they've never had they haven't come out of a a regional final. I'm trying to think. Um, they've only had disappointment in regionals uh, coming out of KC. I remember the last time was 2017 and and got stomped in the second stomped by Oregon. Not just the second half, but the whole game and in the regional final. You know, when they just don't come out of Kansas City for to get to the final four, I think. Las Vegas is the West region final. And I don't think anybody from Kansas would mind going to play in Las Vegas uh, in, in the West. Uh, so th- that's, that's my two cents on on what, what might happen to Kansas. You know, right now, Houston, Kansas, Alabama, Purdue could be on the one line. And you're absolutely right about Kansas state. I, I think that they're in a position to play their way up in, in seeding with what they have left on the schedule. So um, it's always, always fun to play bracketology, and it's even more fun this year when you've got not just Kansas State and Kansas, but also Missouri uh, fans interested in, in in where their teams might might get going. So, and it, it's interesting too to think Kansas State they don't have to necessarily worry about competing with Houston for the Midwest region um, if they're a two seed or a three seed. Um, and get favorable placement, they could end up playing in Kansas City if they advance that far. So that would be a nice, uh, another nice little, you know, carrot to stick out there for them. I will say I'm absolutely with you. If I'm a Kansas Jayhawk fan, I want no part of Kansas City. I don't care how convenient it is. I was there uh, when Oregon came to town. Um, Kansas State was eliminated by then, so they told me to go over and help cover it. Uh, And I remember looking around before the game, there was not but maybe three Oregon fans in the entire building it was an electric atmosphere and people on press were saying there's no way Kansas can lose this game in front of this crowd. And they got boat raced never in the game. I mean, just, uh, just crashed. And yeah, you're right. It seems like every time they get sent to Kansas city since 1988, bad things seem to happen to them. So if I'm them, Hey, uh, you and me, we've been to Louisville to cover regional. It's amazing. Uh, Vegas sounds great. The other one's in New York, right? New York City, Madison. Oh, yeah. There's not a bad trip out there. Maybe it's not as convenient as Kansas City, but um, yeah, I uh, if if I'm Kansas, I'm I'm hoping to go somewhere else personally. Hey, hey, last time uh, Kansas City had a regional final, Houston it wasn't the, or the Sweet 16 in Elite Eight. Houston was in it, I believe, lost to Kentucky, and then Auburn turned around to beat Kentucky in the All SEC final to go to uh, to go to the Final Four that year, 2019. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. 
go to kansascity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. All right. Hey, Kellis, let's get back to Coach of the Year quickly. Um, uh, you brought it up before, and I I really kind of see it as a as a two-candidate race right now uh, between Jerome Tang and Rodney Terry of, of Texas. Uh, no Bill Self, huh? No Bill Self? Nah, Bill, Bill's won it six times. He doesn't – and then I was going to throw some stats at you. Bill's won it six times. Scott Drew has won the last three Big 12 Coach of the Year awards. Um, Interesting. So, nah, I'm not – you know, defending national champ with a couple of returning starters, I'm, I'm not I'm not going there. Um, but, you know, for most of the season, like the first 17, 18 games when Kansas State was rocking that great record – Jerome Tang was a leader for National Coach of the Year, I thought, and I think he's still in the conversation for that uh, for that honor. But you know, consider the circumstances for you know for Rodney Terry having to take over the program after a handful of games with uh, with Chris Beard losing his job. Um, so, listen, it's 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 an award that's kind of odd, right? We always kind of it always seems to go to the coach whose team had the lowest expectation going into the season. <laughs> And that's why I think Jerome Tang's going to end up winning it. I do too. And that always kind of amuses me to me. Coach of the year. It seems like the simple, it should be the simplest vote of all. If you built the team that won the championship, you are the coach of the year. I mean, right. That's the goal. You should, yep. the goal is to win the games. Come on, Herm Edwards. <laughs> um, so whoever wins the, the conference championship should get it. Um, I typically lean that way unless there's, you know, crazy circumstances. I remember, one year when Tubby Smith was at Texas Tech, like they were projected to win like two Big 12 games, and he ended up having them nine and nine and got them to the NSA tournament. And I voted for Tubby Smith that year, and I had some KU people tell me I was crazy because KU won the league, and I thought it should be solved. Um, kind of the same situation this this time around, except Jerome Tang's done better. He's going to finish with a winning record. Um, nobody really expected much from this team. Even me, I was on the record right before conference play started back in December saying that I thought – a good goal for this team would be just don't finish last in conference play. And here they are knocking on the door of a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. So hard to argue with Jerome Tang. If you, if you're picked to finish last and you go this high up, you're probably going to win the award. But I will say if, if Texas wins the conference after all they've been through with an interim coach leading him, whew, you, you, yeah, it would be hard not to give it to that guy. Um, yeah, like no, I said, he, 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 not only does he win the league, but he's dealing with, you know, the lowered expectations angle that we just talked about. So in that situation, I would give it to Terry. I would, I would have to think about it. If it's, if, if KU wins the league, I would have to think about it between self and Tang, but I think Tang would win it because I'm with you. I don't think anybody wants to give it to self. Um, (laughs) Well, let's just say that uh, uh, every, uh, you know, without having the coaches' contracts in front of me, every coach has some clause and stipulation that there's a bonus involved with winning conference coach of the year. Self makes ten million bucks a year. I don't, I don't know what the bonus is, but I think he can do okay without it. Uh, not, 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 not that that should be taken into consideration, but uh, um, heck. Maybe look. I know one year back in was it uh, uh, the, the 2012 season self. 
or and and then Frank Haith of Missouri. One was national coach of the year. The other was Big Twelve coach of the year. I can't remember <laughs> which was which. So st- stuff like that happens as well. Um, all right, give me a reason why Jalen Wilson will not be the Big Twelve Player of the Year. Uh I agree. There's no reason. Yeah, I don't think I have one. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's he's been fantastic. Um, he's he's been better. He's been better than I thought he was going to be when he decided to come back from a year ago. I I think he has taken his game farther. Uh, from last season to in one season, I should say, than Ochai Abaji did uh, a couple of years ago when he became uh, Big 12 Player of the Year and and um, and, and first team All America. I think both are both of those are in the cards for Jalen Wilson, Big 12 Player of the Year, first team All America, and um, and I think he absolutely made the right decision to come back this season. I mean, the only thing I could maybe say is um, if Keontae Johnson scores. 50 points in all three of his remaining games. Um, and, you know, that would maybe do it. Uh, I, I do, th- but I mean, Jalen Wilson, his numbers are just so much better than everybody else's. And he has had some quiet games, but he's had a lot of big games. And he's the reason Kansas was able to, in my opinion, you know, weather the storm there when they had that losing streak, stay above water until they figured out what to do with Grady Dick and Deshaun Harris and everybody else. And now they're playing, you know, playing more complimentary basketball. And I think he's the main reason why I, I don't see anybody catching him. Um, but I, you know, from Kansas state, I, I do think that you've got one or two very worthy um, players who could end up on the first team and uh, Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. And honestly, if Kansas state had not gone during on their cold streak, I would probably be arguing right now that Johnson needs more consideration for player of the year, but um, they're, they're not going to give it to a team that finishes third or fourth. And that's where Kansas state is. And, um, yeah. Well, I, I like, um, I, I do like the idea of a, a couple of Kansas state players making first team all big 12. I think that's, that's in play for the Wildcats. Um, and they're the only team that I would say that about Grady Dick, of course, and Juan Harris for Kansas are terrific players. Kansas, they don't win if Dewan Harris isn't, you know, playing well, if he's not at the top of his game, that's how, you know, under the radar valuable he is to, to KU, but between Keontae Johnson and, and uh, Marquise Noel, I, uh, especially if, if Kansas state takes care of business down the stretch here, I think it's a pretty uh, better than 50, 50 proposition that they end up with two on the first team. And um, how far back do we have to go for the last time? Something like that's happened. Uh, is that a, is that a Bill Walker? Um, um, I'm pretty sure Dean Wade and Barry Brown were both. Oh, first okay. Team there you go. There when they won the league. Uh, but since then, Nigel Pack is the only player who's made first team for him since then. So even to have one is a big deal in Kansas State. To have two would signify that they had a really good season. I will say, you mentioned it here a second ago. I, I think one thing voters will really struggle with is what do you do with a player like Deshaun Harris, who whose numbers don't at all support that he should be all conference. Uh, in the all-conference conversation, but his defense is lights out, uh, ultimate glue guy. You know, I, I, I really don't know. I, I wouldn't put him on the first team just because of his lack of numbers, but you could make a case for him to be there. So, um, and I, I think overall to be guard heavy, you know, like what do you do with Mike miles? He's one of the best players in the league, but he missed a bunch of time. Um, That'll be interesting here in a week or so how that shakes out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Canty George at Baylor. I guess he would be the leading Baylor candidate, but Baylor's got a bunch of Flagler and Cryer. They've, they've got a bunch of guys that 
you know, if this thing goes three deep, a three team, all big, you know, all big 12, then all of those guys will make it. And, and I think that's where you'll see uh, Harris and, and Grady Dick for Kansas on the second and third teams. And, you know, a bunch of guys, there are so many Marcus Carr, Texas. I mean, there you've got um, uh, a lot of candidates and, you know, there'll be some disagreement because it's not an obvious, I don't think it's an obvious five um, because I think it can go six, seven, eight deep, but, um, uh, but there'll be some, there'll be some ballers on the second team, all big 12. I can assure you of that. All right, Kellis, uh, great conversation. We will have many more of these in the next few weeks because um, conference tournament, we got to, we got to settle the big 12 race. We got individual honors as we've talked about, We've got the Big 12 tournament, which will just be off the hook great uh, in Kansas City this year. And then Selection Sunday and, of course, the NCAA tournament, March Madness. Callis, it was great catching up with you, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't wait for the Big 12 tournament. That is going to be insane. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing today's podcast and all of our Sportsbeat KC shows this week and to our Sportsbeat Casey staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Callis Robinette for sharing his Big 12 insights. Morning Sports Edition is the best digital sports page in the country. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com and see what I'm talking about. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.